Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. We thank you for everyone in this church. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. We bless your name. And in these times, God, we pray that we know it's hard sometimes to live in Los Angeles or California, Lord. We pray that you will prosper us, God, even as our soul prospers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, church. Well, uh, good to see you. Hey, we have a special treat for you. Oh, my wife's already up here. All right. Uh, so my wife, why don't you give my wife a big clap? She's going to be giving the word this morning. All right. I have to let you know that um, she is the much better half, not just the better half. She is the much better half. And I want to let you know, as the first lady of this church, you got an angel as a, a first lady of the calling church. And uh, she's super wise and she's super lovable. So why don't we give another big hand? Come on, somebody. Let's give her a big hand. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, good morning. My name is Kareen Alfaro. As my husband said, I'm his wife. Um, and I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning and speak. It's an honor to be here, to be here up on this. It's not a stage, but a floor, but you get what I'm saying. But to be up here, I don't take it lightly. And I'm um, just honored that you guys would spend your time here this morning um, to learn what God is sharing in my heart this morning. Um, and I just want to let you know, Michael said this already, no one is perfect here. So I want to let you know when I'm sharing too, I am learning at the same time. So I don't want you to think I'm perfect and I have it all together, but I'm going to be learning with you what we're going to talk about today, okay? So I'm going to be on this theme of love and Valentine's Day. It was just on Thursday. Some of you probably just rolled your eyes like, oh man, I'm done with Valentine's Day. Some of you might think of it as single awareness day. I remember I thought that then, but some of you, it's Independence Day. It's a good day. It could be both. Depends how you look at it. Um, all the married people, I know you wanted to laugh, right? Okay, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so we'll talk about different things about marriage and just relationship in general. So if you're single or you're married, this is for you today. So I want to take a little walk down um, memory lane if you would go with me. So up here is a picture of my husband and I on our very first Valentine's Day. So this was 2010. Um, we're at Laguna Beach. It was really nice. He took me out, drove all the way down there in his 94 Honda Accord. It was so crappy, and it was, oh, that's okay. But I was 21, he was 22, um, and we had a great time, right? Like the song says, all you need is love, but I'm going to get to that. It's not really true. Okay, but so anyway, we had a great time. It was actually, okay, a lot of information. I never really dated a lot before my husband. So the, he was my first and my last only Valentine. So it's very special. He went like all out for me. Um, didn't do that this year, but no, it's okay. Maybe because he got me, but anyway, I didn't work for him this year, but that's okay. There is a lot of pressure on you guys. So I, let, I heard someone say that. What if we trade every year? You do it one year and then, so I think we're going to do that. So next year it's your turn. I'm deciding. And then I'll just keep deciding it's your turn. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Anyway, okay, does anybody here remember the very first time you've ever, like, just been, like, smitten over someone? Like, gaga, like, oh, my gosh, this person, like, when I'm around them, I can't breathe. I can't do anything. Do you guys ever remember the very first time? Okay, so, yes, thank you, Mom. <laughs> I hope it's Dad. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. But um, so the very first time, so for, for me, I can remember the very first time and I was thinking about this. It's not Michael. But the very first time I was head over heels, um, his name is Ian. And I'm not going to say his last name because if we put this online, then, you know, who knows. But his name was Ian. And I remember he was like blonde hair, blue eyes, and I was just smitten. He was like almost, th- he was almost three and a half feet tall. Um, we were three years old. I was in preschool. And I just remember like playing in the schoolyard and this boy, it was like the first time like my eyes were open to like who these other people are in the world. And I was just like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. And he would chase me all over the schoolyard and I was so happy and I felt like I was in love. You know, what do you know at three? But um, I felt like I was in love. I had these happy feelings and um, and then I saw him chasing all the other girls around the yard and I was like, oh my gosh, forget about you, Right. I'm going to break up with you. And we never don't even know what that means. But it's so funny how even when you're kids, you could develop these feelings or even relationships. It's not just an adult thing. So I want to share with you guys, kids are mean. Kids have no filter. Kids are brutal. They're savage. So I'm going to share with you some um, love letters, breakup letters from kids. So the first one's more like, will you go out with me? So let's, let's take a look. All right, so it says, Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. And then, I don't know if you guys did this, but you give the options as if you don't know already what the options are. Yes, no, and then there's maybe, like a possibility. Please, please pick one. And she responded, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. We're protecting his last name, I guess. I just found on Google. Um, But when we break up, you're my next choice. And the last part's funny. It says, P.S., that'll probably be in one to two months. This person already knows. All right, let's go to the next one. Dear Keenan, I'm sorry. We have to break up. You always try to make me laugh, but you're just making yourself look bad. We're over for real. And like, the, they, I don't know if they accidentally put love and cross it out or they did it on purpose and cross it out, but they crossed out love from Steve or Stevie. Um, the next one is Sean, I am breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That was three months ago. You need to get it together. I love (laughs) who says that when they're like seven, you need to get it together or you will never get married. And that will, would be sad. Their spelling's interesting. You shouldn't get married. Just not to me. You should get married. Not just to me, Rachel. All right. We got one more. Dear, or from Delandre to Crystal, I am breaking up with you. P.S. Happy anniversary, though. (laughs) One month. And you can't really say at the bottom, and he puts, this is really hard to do. (laughs) It's really hard to do this. (laughs) Anyway, kids are brutal, right? They have no filter. They're trying to figure out this thing kind of like we are, right, at the same time. Um, Have you guys ever been brokenhearted? We're kind of making fun of these jokes, but have you ever been like, sad you know someone broke your heart I know I have and then when you're sad you just listen to like the same sad songs over and over and over again right you just kind of sulk in it I don't know if any of you ever did this but sometimes when I was driving when I first got my license I was sad I would like pretend I was in a music video and like sing the saddest song and like have like one tear (laughs) I don't know if anyway it might just be me but oh my husband laughed at me I'm sad (laughs) Anyway, but there's so many, there's the almost awesome breakup songs, right? So there's this one that you guys probably um, might know. 
strumming my pain with his fingers. You can sing with me. Singing my life with his words. Killing me softly with his song. He's killing me softly with his song. Telling my whole life with his words. Killing me softly. I don't know why those two things are together. With his song. All right. And there's another one. This one's sad. All by myself. Don't want to be all by anymore. Okay, I can't do Celine, but I love that song. It's so good. And then this one, you got to sing it with me. Never mind, I'll find someone like you. I wish nothing but the best for you too. Don't forget me. I'll make, I'll remember what you said. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead, right? How many of you guys have played that song like 20 times in one day, right? Adele, she's like the queen of breakup songs. But so even as these kids get heartbroken, we get heartbroken. We have relationships and we start patterns and we get our hearts broken in that same that same way. You know, I don't, I don't have kids yet, but I'm super excited. Um, we want to have kids coming up. And, but I've babysat, but I don't have kids. But in my experience, babysitting with kids, you, you kind of have to give them boundaries and you want to protect them, right? So kids don't really know necessarily what's best for them. They know what they want, right? They know what um, they feel like. You know, I want to eat this. I want to go do that. Um, but you have to guide and protect them. Um, my niece, um, through my husband's side, Brooklyn, she's adorable. She's two years old. And um, we babysat her once. Um, that was the only time. No, I, just, I guess I didn't do I don't think I did well. Um, no, it's okay. But anyway, so we have a small apartment. And a lot of you guys know we have a cat. And um, he's really good. To be honest, he's mostly antisocial. He's good with me. We're buddies. But um, he is not good with kids at all. I think because she's like the same size, but maybe slightly bigger and it freaks him out. So when she comes, and then she, and she's loud too. So when she comes, she's like all excited and she's yelling and she's doing all this. So I, Alfred goes in the corner. Alfred's my cat. He goes in the corner. He has an old man name, Alfred. He goes in the corner um, and he kind of just stays out of the way and he's just like watching her. But so she, the, for the first time she came, she noticed he was there. I was hoping she didn't notice because he's pretty quiet and he'll, he'll leave everybody else alone. But he was in the corner. And I kind of made, before she got there, a blockade of tables and chairs so she wouldn't go towards him. Because, um, you know, obviously Alfred's good with me, but I have no idea how he's going to be with other people. Side note, always keep your animals away from new people. Yes, to you, they're awesome, and they're so good, but you never know, right? You don't want to get in trouble. Anyway, so I'm protecting her, and I don't know how he's going to react. I don't know what she's going to do. You know, kids tug and stuff. So I'm trying to protect her and put her to the side, and then she catches a glimpse of him in the corner, this furry little thing, and she just starts walking over there, and she's trying to, like, move the chairs. And what she she wants is to pet Alfred because he's cute, And it's just like a living thing in the house. It looks awesome. But she doesn't know that he has claws or teeth, um, that he doesn't know who she is. He's coming. She's coming to his environment. And so I'm giving her boundaries 
to protect her from something that could endanger her possibly. So a a lot of kids um, don't know what's best for them. They just act on what they feel, right? So we have to um, put boundaries to protect them. And to be honest, a lot of us don't even do that in our relationships and things we do. We just kind of go with the flow. I feel like dating this person because they're hot, they're good looking. They, we just have this chemistry. But homeboy just got a DUI the other day and he's selling guns out of the back of his truck. I don't know. You know what I mean? And I love, our pastor used to say this, just because they're in church raising their hands doesn't mean they love God. It means they're used to being pulled over by the cops. So you never know. Anyway, and I'm, anyway, so there's grace here, but I just, I'm trying to make light of the whole um, situation. But some of us have never matured in our uh, relationships. We keep falling down the same stairs that we could have put a blockade up at. Just because we got older does not mean at all that we got wiser, I'm going to say that again. Just because we got older does not mean that we got wiser. It just means we have more experience doing the same thing over and over again. So why, why are we doing this, guys? Like, why do we keep repeating something or not protecting our hearts, not putting up boundaries? Because um, I believe we're processing the wrong information from the wrong places. We're processing the wrong information from the wrong places. So it will shock you how much your thoughts about love, I think sex and marriage come from movies, right? I think probably like 80, maybe 90%. I'm just throwing a statistic out there that's just made up in my head. But I would say most of it probably comes from that, right? So there was an awesome movie that came out, gosh, probably a while ago, but it's called The Notebook right? How many of you guys remember The Notebook? So that's just like an amazing, all the girls are just already, I saw someone like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And you just feel like happy when you're thinking about it. So in the, in the movie, there's the two character, ter- characters that are a couple, and then something breaks them apart. Basically, they don't see each other. And for, for a long time, multiple, multiple years, and then they end up meeting back together in this, like, dramatic scene, and it's raining. And she asks, like, why did you never write me? You know, because they have this, like, intense, like, passionate relationship. And he was like, I wrote you every day for 365 days. And she never got it because her, her mother kept him because he didn't, she didn't like him. So there was this whole intense moment, and then they, like, make up, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this feeling. You did write to me. You love me. And then fast forward, they get married, they grow old together, and later she gets, she gets Alzheimer's, and um, he comes in and lives in the home with her, that they're taking care of her. And then something so beautiful, they die together, right? They die together, and it's so sweet, and all the girls are like, oh my gosh, Michael, you're going to die with me. I want to die together. But it is not real life, right? Nicholas Sparks is a fiction writer. And there's a reason why it's awesome, because they want to make money, right? (laughs) Because it's it's really good. Anyway, I love the notebook. Or or there's another one. And my heart will go on and on. Right, Titanic? I'll never leave you, Jack. Right? But there's enough room on the raft for both of them. Poor Jack. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, he would die for me. But he could have been fine, right, bro? You come up here with me. You'll be okay. And my favorite is I love Disney. We had Disneyland passes for a while, and I grew up watching Disney movies, and I just love them. But if you think about it, I was talking with Pastor Ronnie about this the other day. 
um, Disney movies, they just show you up into a certain point. And then it just says they live happily ever after. But I was like, what happened? And all that. And it makes you think that if you're not having a happily ever after, then something is wrong with you. And then that's not true. But they're only showing just one perspective of a certain way of what love is like in that world. Right? So I'm going to challenge myself and you guys with everything you've ever learned from Beauty and the Beast, The Notebook, Sweet Home Alabama, The Proposal, all these awesome movies that I have at home. I'm going to challenge you guys um, just about that. So um, first off, I want to start um, with two of the wrong things you're looking for. Two of the wrong things you're looking for. So number one is we say all the time, I'm just looking for the right person. I'm just looking for the right person. So here's what we think. If I can find the right person, then everything will be all right. They'll love me for me. I'll never have to change. And we'll finish each other's. All right. See, you're all, see you believe the same thing I do. Um, I won't have to tell them how I feel. They'll just know. How many of the married people in here can testify that that is a lie? Right? They won't just know. You got to communicate. Right? Right? Um, we get this idea that if I just find the right person, they'll get me. And we think that, I think really deeply, we think that they'll fix me, right? They'll complete me. There's something missing that that person, the right person is going to fix me. And then I'll be happy. And then I'll do that. I love this song. I'm giving you a lot of Disney, reference, Disney references, and I probably should have Thomas sing this one. But I love Aladdin. It's coming out soon. Go see it. It's going to be awesome. I'm not affiliated, but go see it. Um, a whole new world, a dazzling place I never knew, but it's not a whole new world, right? You get married, at least this happened for me, you go on your honeymoon, right? It's awesome. And you come home, you got to pay bills. They didn't leave. You have student loans. Now you have their student loans and right. It's just not like you're living in a palace. You're on a carpet ride. You know what I mean? It's real life. So, um, and it's funny when we, after we get married, and we come home, then things happen over, you know, arguing or disagreeing on things. And we think we have marriage problems, right? We have marriage problems. But I want to tell you that is not really marriage problems. Marriage problems is why do you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle? That's it for me. And he knows that. Why do you squeeze it in the middle? You got to get like every inch of it out and use it. So he'll, he'll, anyway, I'm trying to get back at him because last week he said I was a monkey with clanging cymbals when I talk. So marriage problems is leaving just the smallest amount in the milk container in the fridge and every single thing you have in your kitchen. That's what, that's what marriage problems are. Marriage problems is putting the toilet paper on the wrong way. That is marriage problems, or the biggest one, where are we going to eat today, right? How many of you guys know, where are we going to eat? I don't care, you know. I think this is more him, but usually it's more a girl thing. Like, oh, I don't care, you can pick wherever you want. And then you offer like 28 places, and they don't want any of them. And I'm like, what do you mean whatever I want? Anyway, marriage problems. <laughs> but what the marriage problem really is, is it's married people with single people problems. It's married people with single people problems. So 
It's two single people coming together, getting married, hoping the other person's going to fix them and complete them and just make everything all sunshines and rainbows. And you're, ex- you're expecting the right one to fix you. And the right one is expecting the same thing, right? They're, they're expecting you to fix them as well. So that's the first area when we believe something wrong is um, I'm just looking for the right person. Number two, an area where we can get a little off track is I'm just looking for love, right? And that's, I think, what we all think, but I'm just looking for love. But I think in our culture, we've misdefined love as a feeling, as butterflies, as your heart's pounding, your palms are sweaty if you do that, you know, whatever it is for you. And just a feeling of just like, like a chocolate chip cookie, like a, you're eating a chocolate. It's a random example, but you know what I mean? Like you feel good, like this awesome feeling. Um, but studies show that that feeling, sometimes people call it like a honeymoon phase or something like that, lasts only six, um, six weeks to 18 months. That feeling only lasts six weeks to 18 months. And during that time, you are literally high on drugs. It's not real drugs, but it's like a natural drug. It's dopamine just like pumping through your system. And you become like infatuated with this person, essentially like addicted to them. And you just want to spend, you know, every waking moment around them. Like, oh my gosh, I just got out of work and I got to drive to you now. And we're going to eat. It's going to be awesome. And I don't want to leave. It's one in the morning and then we'll go home and I'll talk to you for five hours again. You know what I mean? Have, have you guys ever done that? I know Michael and I did that in the beginning where you talk on the phone um, and you fall asleep on the phone and it's just like silent and you're just on the phone. Oh, it's just us, baby. So when we're dating, we obviously don't do that now, but I see him all the time. But you're on the phone and you're talking for hours and hours and hours and hours and you're just like all kind of caught up um, with that person, you know? All your free time is with them. But honestly, that is something that's not sustainable at all. That feeling, that acting that way is not real, uh, realistic. It's not sustainable. Um, there's, it can't be a high all the time. It's just not, it's not realistic. So we define it as a feeling of what we're looking for. And then when we lose it, then all of a sudden we think you must not be the one. You must not be that right person but we're defining it as a feeling. And feelings come and go, right? But it doesn't mean that person's no longer um, the right one. So I have a kind of like a little formula here. So when you're looking for the wrong thing, you'll follow a failed formula that will never bring you true love. So when you're looking for the wrong thing, you'll follow a failed failure formula, sorry, that will never bring you true love. So I put it up on the screen. So this is kind of what we do, or I think society in a way tells us to do. I shouldn't blame society, but we're all part of it. So number one is find the right person. Number one, that's what I need to do. I need to find the right person. Number two, fall in love with the right person. Then number three, fix all my hope and dreams on that right person. Number four, if failure occurs, then repeat steps one through three, and we'll do it all over again. But that's not really the right way. I heard um, statistics about second marriages that they actually fail sooner than first marriages because we never learned anything the first time. And we're doing the same formula because we lost that feeling with the first person, 
So you aren't the right one because you don't make me feel happy. You don't make me feel that way anymore. So then I am going to find the real right person, right? And then that happens, and then you go again, and then it's just, it's just a cycle. So I want to read to you guys um, Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. Um, and it says, um, just gives us ways that we can grow and um, not repeat that, that failure model, right, or formula. So it says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I love that. It's so beautiful. Um, so what should we be looking for? And it has it kind of spelled out in here. We have it underlined. We shouldn't be looking for the right person, right, the right chemistry. But it says here, I should be looking for knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And what knowledge is, is information. So I need to know more about you. So if you see someone, you like them, you're going out, you need to find out more about them, right? Not just stalk them online, even though that's kind of good nowadays because you can see a lot and see who they think they are. Or you know what I mean? Um, go back like five years and see who they were then, you know. Um, anyway, so you need to know more info. So you got you to gotta be smart about it, get knowledge, ask like, hey, what's, you know, what do you think about this? What do you believe about this? Do you believe in God? See how they treat their family. Because honestly, most of the time, the way they treat their family is the way they're going to treat you. I'm going to be very honest. And, um, and that's something, if you can learn ahead of time and see far ahead, if you don't like that, then don't go down that road, right? Because after that six weeks to 18 months, they're going to normalize you like everybody else. Yes, you're going to say like right now, oh my gosh, they don't treat me like that way. It's totally different. But after that time, it's going to be different. They're going to go back into their patterns. So I'm just being real. So if you can ask them or observe and get knowledge ahead of time, you can save yourself from a lot of heartache, right? Um, also, ways you can get knowledge is you can read. Read books. Books are awesome. I have to admit to you, um, I am, this is like, do as I say, not as I do. So I really need to read more books. And that's why I put this here is there's, there's, they're full of so much wisdom. Not all, obviously you need to read the Bible, which is the ultimate guide to life, but God has um, given knowledge to so many other awesome men and women in the world, such as other pastors that have written awesome books. Um, Joyce Myers has awesome things about Battlefield of the Mind. Um, I encourage you guys to read that. So whatever you're, you're struggling with or you want to learn more about or about marriage, get a book. Um, you can get our Amazon. It's easy nowadays. You can get knowledge anywhere, even just on the internet. We're trying to get an A on a test that we never prepared for is the thing. So that's why we need knowledge. How can you expect to ace a test and you didn't read anything about, about it at all, right? How do you expect to ace marriage and you didn't read about it, right? You didn't plan ahead. You have to have a plan um, and a vision. And honestly, be critical of yourself. Like, where am I at? Is this healthy? Am I still hurt from this last person that I was with? You know what I mean? Should I really be investing all this time into this person? Um, being self-aware and asking yourself the hard questions. Because when uh, someone, someone likes you, they will lie to you. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean? They're putting on a persona because they're putting their best foot forward because they want you to see that, right? But you got to, you know, dig a little bit. You got to dig a little for your best interest in mind. The next is understanding, which is comprehension of the information. I don't want to know stuff, but actually understand it. 
That's what that is. Um, and then lastly, wisdom is the application of both those things, the application of information I know and I understand. That is what wisdom is. So I can't apply something that I don't understand because I've never learned it, right? You can't be expected to have this amazing marriage if you didn't seek after it, right, and learn about it. I can't apply something I don't understand because I have never learned it. Jesus defines love for us um, in this next verse. What is love? John 13, 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. What is it? He says it up there. It's, yes, it's an action. And love is a commandment. So it's not a feeling. You can't command a feeling like say, Michael, be sad right now. I guess if you're an actor, you could, but you're acting, you're not really sad, right? Be sad right now. Or, you know, when your parents are your younger, your kid's crying, you tell them, stop crying. But you can't, you know what I mean? Whatever's like in you at the moment, you're just, it's all your feelings. You're all up in your feelings. Isn't that a song? In my feelings? In my feelings? Bye, Drake. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so God says here that it is a commandment. Love is a commandment. So what does that what does that mean for us this morning? It means that love is a choice. Love is a choice that you need to make every day, every moment sometimes, whether you're single or you're married, love is a choice whether you're with your coworkers or your boyfriend, girlfriend, your father, your mother, your kids, love is is a choice. And I want to read this to you based on the information that I understand and apply. Love is not a feeling. Because when I think it's a feeling and the feeling changes and then our marriage or relationship is in trouble because you don't make me feel happy anymore, I'm not in love with you anymore. But, but that's not true, right? If it is, we're operating on feelings. The Bible is very clear when you crack this open that you are responsible for you and your life. You are responsible for you and your life. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you are responsible for the other person's emotions, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're responsible for the other person's emotions. Some of us are looking at our spouse or another person in our household, and we're trying to get our happiness from them, right? That's why we say, you're not making me happy anymore, and marriages are breaking up. But God never said that you get that from them. You can get that from him, right? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't say the joy of Michael is my strength or the joy of my dad is my strength or so-and-so. You know what I mean? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have to focus on on you. Love is an action. Um, We have some awesome friends in the church. I'm going real long today. I'm sorry, guys. Usually I don't talk this much. Um, So we have great friends in this church who have a young child um, that's about two and um, we met up with them the other day, and they're just sharing with us about their experience within the first few weeks that they brought their baby home, because um, we're just kind of get information, because we want to, you know, one day have a family and just kind of get real, like information raw, you know, nothing filtered. And um, they're so awesome, and they're just telling telling us that that sleep deprivation is so real. All of you can probably test it out that our parents. 
um, and you're and you're feeding like every every couple hours, right? And you're getting on each other's nerves because you know you're not sleeping and you know you're hallucinating all these things, right? Um, that are going on. And I was just thinking about that. And them, they're both awesome parents. I'm sure if they acted as love as a feeling, they wouldn't get up and change that diaper. They wouldn't um, get that lack of sleep. But love is an action. So what they did is they did that because they loved. They got up and they did that for the baby. They were selfless. They were giving in action. It was a verb for them. And I love that. And that's what we need in our lives and our families and our relationships. That love is an action and not mistaken for a feeling. Because feelings, feelings come and go. And I think a lot about Jesus. And do you think Jesus really felt like dying on the cross? Honestly, do you think that? I don't think that. Because in the Bible, it talks about how the night before, he prayed to God, just saying, crying out to God, you know, if, if there's any way to let this cup pass from me, God, let it be done. But if not, he basically says, thy will be done. And Jesus went and he died the most honestly horrific death, agonizing, nailed to a cross because of love. Because it wasn't a feeling for him, it was an action. It was an action for him. Because of him, he showed us what love really is. And I don't want movies to take that away anymore. I love movies, so if you're here in the movie industry, that's awesome, that's great. I love going to your movies. But love is an action, right? It's an action. And he showed us the greatest love of all. So this morning, you're probably like, Kareen, I understand, you know, what Jesus did for me. That's awesome. And it is the greatest love. But I honestly really want to find the right one. Like, I don't know what to do about that. I get what you're saying. But I still need to find the right person. And I want to encourage you this morning or challenge you that no, you don't need to find the right person because the right one is with you and you are the right one. So until you realize that you're the right one and that you work on you and you become the person that you want to be the right one, you'll never be happy, right? You can't work on the other person, but you can, you can work on you. Stop making lists of what the other person isn't doing and start living up to your own list. I did this the other day. We got in a little argument. So, and actually he told me that. Give me a list of all the things you want me to do. I was like, all right. So I was writing my list. Uh, <laughs> but I was really thinking about it and preparing for this message. Am I really being all those things that I want him to be for me? Or am I just thinking I'm the leading actress in a romantic comedy where he has to be my end all and make me happy? You still got work on those things though. But you get what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> so if you open up this book, which I encourage you to do every day when you go home, it gives you life. If you go in here looking at how you can change the other person, you're not going to find anything. But if you go in here and you look at, God, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better girlfriend, mom, dad, whatever it is, you will find that in here. It'll be all up in it everywhere. 
and you won't be disappointed. It'll be hard. I guarantee you it's not going to be easy. But open this up and it will become living to you. Galatians 5.22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, you can say, I just, I want to see these in my life. I want to have joy. I want to have peace with my family. I want to have patience. I want to have kindness. If you're single in this room, I kind of touched on it. You start this today. If you start this today, you can save yourself from so much heartache in the future. I encourage you to do that. And married people, it is not too late, right? Whether you've been married one year, seven years, 50 years, it is never too late for you to start this. And as as long as you're on the same page together um, and you're trusting God, I think he can do anything. But first work on yourself rather than pointing out everything wrong in the other person, right? Be be that person. Um, I really like this story I heard. Um, It's uh, about this couple and they're having a really hard time. They've been married for a long time. And um, they decided to go to counseling, which is great. Um, so they went to their doctor, Dr. Crane, and um, he was giving him advice. The wife went on her own, and she was basically telling him how much she doesn't like this guy. Like, you know, he's not the same guy I married. He doesn't pay attention to me. Um, he thinks I sound like a monkey with symbols in my hands. Um, you know what I mean? So um, she's basically telling him, why she doesn't like her husband anymore and that she wants a divorce. So he's like, okay, you know, I understand. You know, like he sounds pretty bad. Um, But I have some, this is my prescription for you of what I think we should do. It's called revenge therapy. So she's like, oh yes, let's do it. So he basically said, what you're going to do is you're going to go home and you're going to pretend like you're crazy in love for him. You're going to just be nice. You're going to cook him dinner. Whatever you do that he likes, just be super nice and pretend like you're in love with him. And for two months, do this. And when the two months is over, he'll be, he'll be so happy. And then you give him the divorce papers. And then he'll be so hurt and he won't ever recover. That's what the guy said. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. That sounds awesome. So she went home and um, she did what he said. And she cooked him the best dinners, and she was just nice to him. And she acted like she was in love with him again, like she was in the beginning. And so she came back after two months, and he was like, okay, well, the the doctor was like, well, how did it go? Did you, you give him the papers? And she was like, you know what? The craziest thing is we're so in love again. We're gonna take a second honeymoon next week. She was like, he's awesome, and he's changed. She was like, I don't wanna get divorced anymore. And the guy was saying, you know, I thought so. Because when you change yourself, which only you can control, it can help transform everything. So I I love that story that when you put love into action and you look at yourself instead of the other person, God can do amazing things, right? We can't point, we can't point at the other person. We got to become the right one. We got to become the right person. So this morning, my homework for you is Focus on that. Become the right person. Join a life group. We have marriage life groups that meet monthly. Safe people that you can talk to, get to know, that will encourage you in your marriage. 
men's groups, life groups. Do growth track. Grow in your walk with God. Join the dream team. Start serving God, putting him first in everything you do. I encourage you to take your next step. When you give God everything in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your thoughts, he can do amazing, amazing things. So I encourage you to to chase after him with all you got. We we talk about, and our, our pastor used to say all the time, just give us one year of your life. Just one year. And I promise you, I, I promise you it's not going to be easy and rainbows and butterflies, but I think it'll be the best year of your life because God's going to do amazing, amazing, amazing things. And he's going to transform you. So I'd love to pray for you guys. Some of you in this room might be far from God. You might say, Kareen, I have no idea to get to where you're saying. Or, yeah, I want to work on myself, but I feel like I'm so far gone or I've walked away. But I want to encourage you guys this morning, you're never too far gone for God. He is with you and he loves you like nobody else. In action, he loves you. So with every eye closed and head bowed, I want to pray for you guys. I think before you can find the right one, you first need to live for the right one. You're not living for another person. You're not living for yourself. We believe that uh, my husband and I have centered our life around God and that when we focus on him, he is the right one, that all of our life will reflect his goodness and be built, like we sang this morning, on a solid foundation. I love that song. What are you building your life on this morning? Are you building it on the notebook? Are you building it on your job? Are you building it on whatever? Are you building on God this morning? So if you're far away from God or you've walked away and you're coming back, this is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life, more than the person you marry. So this morning, if there's anyone here in this place, I don't want to leave without giving you the opportunity to come back to the Lord for the first time or a repeat time. He is so excited to receive you this morning. So if that's you, you say, Kareen, I want God. I want to find him first as the right person. If that's you in this room, I would like you to be bold and to raise your hand. It's just you and me. So on the count of three, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, two, three. And I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, God. I see hands. I see hands. All right. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, these amazing people are here in this place, God. And they rose their hand this morning because they desire to put you first. God, you are the ultimate right person. And I pray, Lord, that you would come into their hearts, whether it's the first time or by a way of radical recommitment. And I ask that you would just transform them, that you would show them how good you are, that this year, God, when they give you a year of their life, full out, God, that you would show them just how awesome you are. You will not disappoint. I know that very well. So I thank you, God, for each and every person here. Give them, Lord, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your joy, that you develop those fruits of the Spirit, God. I pray that you be with them. And for every other person in this room, God, whether they're single or married, even married, if in the back of their mind they're thinking, I still haven't found the right one, I pray this morning that they're encouraged that the right one is right right there with them in their heart, that they focus on themselves first, 
that they love themselves first, God, in an action and not a feeling. And I pray that you would bless them, that you would protect them, Lord, and that they would really strive after the goodness that you have for them. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the people a hand who raise their hands. So awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the Calling Church. Bring a friend. We will love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you. Thank you.